0: And now for something completely different. It's a rich, Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts.
1: Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to The Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Of course, as we kick off this a Tuesday, Anything's underway. Our new blog post is out on our website right now, of course, talking about Janet Yellen, uh, of course. Over the weekend, Ms. Yellen says, no recession. Don't see any risk of a recession whatsoever. Well, we just kind of go through some of the data uh, this morning and, and really kind of look at her recession call and see how much sense it really makes. But one thing that is important here is that we are seeing a very... Large number of inversions in terms of the various yield curves that we track, and and now again, that doesn't mean anything, right? The inversions, as we've said before on the show, when yield curves invert, that's a sign that there's economic weakness. When they uninvert, and begin to uh, normalize, uh, that's basically when you're in the recession, because now all of the money's kind of shifting back towards the long end of the spectrum. Uh, people looking for safety over short-term balances, those type of things. So you see these reversions occur. Um, Importantly, though, markets tend to rally early into the the reversion process. So as yield curves invert, it's not surprising to see markets kind of rallying. And that's what we've been seeing here as of late. We've had a very nice rally here over the last several weeks. That's kind of been bringing the markets up here a bit. Now it's been a very slow process, right? I mean, it's kind of like you know crawling uphill here. But markets have been kind of providing this little bit of a bullish rally here. And again, that's not surprising that markets tend to perform even as yield curves invert. I know that seems a little bit, you know, kind of you know, you know, non-intuitive because you would expect as yield curves invert, people start talking about a recession. Well, this is where, this is that phase right now where everybody's starting to deny the yield curve inversions and talking about the other things that impact recession. Yeah, yes, they're inverted right now, don't worry about it because we have savings or we have you know, economic growth, we have unemployment, whatever the reasons are, we have these reasons why this time is different and we won't have a recession and that's what stocks are kind of rallying on right now. And also earnings, right? So we're right in the midst of earnings season. Earnings have been coming in okay. Of course, revenue—you uh, know—estimates have been brought down sharply over the last several weeks. That's allowing companies to beat some of these estimates. We've got a few misses, though. We're going to talk about today. Um, UPS uh, just you know, announced earnings a few minutes ago, seeing lower volumes in quarter two. Now they actually beat their estimates, but they're starting to tell us that hey, look—you know—we're um, going to see lower volumes of transactions. Well. If people are shipping less, let's fast forward there for a second. If people are shipping less product or or demanding less product to be shipped, right, lower volumes, that means less consumption. Well, that kind of feeds right into Walmart's story this morning. Of course, uh, last night, Walmart missed earnings and estimates, really kind of warned about the impact that inflation is having on consumption. And these inventory builds that we were talking about last quarter still presenting a problem, even discounting in a lot of cases, not solving those problems. And that's what, what Walmart said specifically is that you know, high energy prices, high fuel prices, higher prices in general, inflation is weighing on consumption. In fact, they are seeing now um, you know, less foot traffic in stores as people are shopping less. McDonald's just announcing a few minutes ago, missing the revenues. On, and uh, stock is down this morning. But again, here's another, here's another company that's right in the heartbeat of that kind of average retail American you know, area, right? Um, you know, the, you know, high net worth people with all the money, they're not really kind of eating McDonald's as a standard fare. That's really kind of that bulk of 80% of middle America that eats at McDonald's. And they do a great business, but they're a great barometer about where people are making choices on how to spend money, right? It's a, Look, it's no longer cheap to go to McDonald's anymore, right? I mean, it used to, you know, we talked about on the show probably 15 years ago now when we were doing the radio show talking about, going to McDonald's, I could go take my four kids, feed them McDonald's for, you know, 20 bucks. Now it's 50 bucks, right? Whatever it is. You know, this is, you know, that's that decision-making process now people are having to make. It's just too damn expensive to go eat out. Food costs are up, fuel costs are up. That's feeding into food costs because, again, as restaurants and retailers, etc., they are having to pay their costs, right? Commodity costs, fuel costs, transportation costs, shipping costs. That's all got to be built into prices that they then pass on to consumers until the point they can't do that. And that's what's happening with Walmart right now. Um, We're also going to potentially see uh, Amazon under pressure uh, again. And and again, they're going to come up and announce earnings, I believe, later this week or, or next week. But when Amazon reports earnings, it'll be a lot of the same story potentially talking about slower transaction growth, problems with pricing, uh, inventory management, those are gonna continue to be kind of the key story. So watch the retail space, watch the restaurant space. Uh, Chipotle Mexican Group, uh, you know, they own all the, the burrito shops. They announce earnings later today. Uh, again, that's kind of another, that, kind of that barometer. They generally report really good earnings. They did well during the pandemic shutdown, but can they, as a function, you know continue to compete in an environment where inflation is causing a differential in how consumers and Americans really spend their money that's and that's really what this is all coming down to when we start talking about recession as a function what what is a recession right Everybody, you know, yesterday the White House is trying to redefine what a recession is, right? We don't want to, we don't, (laughs) they're probably saying let's redefine a recession because we're about to have a negative print for the second quarter. That's possible. We're going to see that on Thursday. Um, But what is a recession really? All a recession is, I know it's a hard word and everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's a terrible thing. All a recession is is just basically a contraction in spending and economic activity. And what is economic activity? It's 70% consumption. It's what you and I are spending. It's what we do, right? It's how much we buy from Amazon. It's how much we buy from Walmart, Target, what we eat at McDonald's or Chipotle, wherever, the, wherever, the, wherever we spend our money, that's all we're saying is, is, hey, we're spending less. Why are we spending less now? Because, well, wages haven't kept up with the cost of living inflation is outstripping our wage growth. So I just have less money to spend. I just The money doesn't go as far. I'm still spending the same amount of dollars. And this is one of the problems with retail sales. When we talk about retail sales, we talk about it in dollar volume. We don't talk about it in volume of, of, of quantity of products sold. So I'm spending the same dollars. I'm just getting less for them. And that can and that results into a contraction in consumption and economic activity and that's how you wind up with a recession and that's what we've been fighting here right um, this is what's going to continue to be the problem over the course of the next couple of quarters but that's where we are look uh, markets yesterday did try to pull you know, did pull back here a bit did finish a little bit lower than where we started but did finish in positive territory so again continuing to kind of test that 50-day moving average continuing to hold that support now that's good news markets are continuing to test and retest and test and retest this 50-day moving average turning that previous resistance now into support markets are still on a buy signal here so again the the bias is to the upside now The problem though is this morning futures are pointing lower because of what's happening with earnings and specifically with Walmart that's starting to kind of weigh on uh, this morning's activity. Uh, S&P is down about 17, 18 points right now. Dow's looking to open down about 130 points. That's going to put us right back on top of this 50-day moving average again. Important though that by the end of this week that we continue to hold that 50-day, if we break back below that 50-day moving average, we're going to be back into this previous downtrend. And that's the one thing that that markets really need to kind of stay out of right now. So uh, take a quick break. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get subscribed to our newsletter. Love to have you there. We publish that every Saturday. Also, our latest blog post on Aunt Aunt Yellen's recession call. That's on the website right now as well, realinvestmentadvice.com. Be right back.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The
0: Real Investment Show.
1: Welcome back to the show this morning. It is uh, 617. And, you know, just talking a little bit about, you know, inflation and Walmart's earnings yesterday, of course, uh, that um, is going to weigh on markets this morning. Of course, it's kind of weighing across the entire retail space. And, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, you see this really in so many different places. You know, the cost of everything is just going up, and, you know, whether it's gas or food or, um, you know, those type of things. And it's interesting because, you know, it's, you know, we talk about the average family and we talk about, you know, the average family doesn't have, you know, $500 in the bank to meet an emergency. And, you know, we know the financial statistics. We've talked about these things a lot. And it's interesting because, you know, in in order to, you know, talk about recessions and those type of things, you know that's that's the thing the media doesn't like talking about right talking about a recession is not a bad thing yesterday uh the white house putting out a tweet you know talking about the drop in gas prices and that they're the average person is saving 35 cents you know uh you know at the gas uh, at the gas station now because of the drop in gasoline prices and of course you know you've got a staff of 70 people putting out a tweet and you think they could at least spell person right but you know hey <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes, <laughs> but that kind of detracted from the whole, the, the, the typo detracted from the whole message that is ready to get out, which was, hey, you're saving more money at the pump. Now, the problem is, is that gas is now $2.20, even with this discount that we've had recently in oil prices, gas is still $2.20 higher than it was when, you know, the, the current administration took office. So it's not helping a lot, right? Look, any any little break you can get in, in gas prices is going to help. Has nothing to do with anything the administration's doing to lower gas prices. Just a function of you know supply and demand imbalances and what's going on in the financial markets right now. Um, but you know, again, when you talk about the average American, you know, it, it's it's interesting that Americans continue to turn to credit to fund their standard of living and and to do the things they want to do, right? Go to Disney, go to a baseball game, you know, football game, whatever it is. They'll find the money. And the consumer is very resilient. And, you know, again, right now, one of the kind of the, the arguments for a mild or no recession environment, Goldman Sachs says no recession, just slow growth. We'll see. But what the argument is, is this massive amount of savings that's sitting in public coffers, right? Everybody's just, apparently, everybody's done just a fantastic job of saving money and everybody's sitting around on a pile of cash in their savings account, which really makes no sense when you see credit card debt kind of soaring through the roof right now, right? I mean, why would you go spend a bunch of money on credit cards <clears throat> if you have a bunch of cash in the bank? You know, So the reality is, is that that big lump of cash that's sitting out there is, you know, belongs to the upper 10 percent of the population that have a lot of discretionary income. And they haven't been spending as much because of the pandemic, the economic shutdown, et cetera. And so there's a big chunk of cash sitting there, but they're already spending everything they're going to spend. I mean, once you've already got your you know, two yachts and your Lamborghini and your Ferrari, I mean, what else do you need to buy? Right. You're not just going out and spending everything every day. So it's not surprising that there's a larger chunk of cash sitting in that upper 10% of income earners. The bottom 90% of those living pretty much paycheck to paycheck. And that's what drives the economy. That, that the bottom 80% of the economy, or, or, or I should say the bottom 80% of households, is what really drives the economy. And the reason for that is they spend everything they make. They have to. It's not a choice. They're not just going out there being willy-nilly and just spending everything they want to spend. You know, they're spending everything they have coming in because that's what it takes for them to live, right? To pay their house note, pay their car notes, pay their insurance, taxes. It, it just it, it eats up their entire paycheck. And that's why Dave Ramsey has such a successful business, right? <laughs> Getting people out of debt because people live beyond their means. But they don't have a big chunk. This, that bottom 80%, there's not a big chunk of cash sitting over there just, you know, idling away, waiting to come back in and save the economy from, from, from a meltdown. The problem is, is that, you know, that cash isn't there. And they are resorting to credit. And, we can, and look. we can look at revolving credit card debt. We can see that number has now surpassed the peak. That we saw in 2020, that number, the, the you know, credit people did actually do the right thing when they got a lot of these checks from the government. They did pay down their credit cards, right? Smart thing. And so, a lot of this surge here, and a lot of this support for the economy, and the reason the economy hasn't slowed sooner is because people had a bunch of, had, had freed up their credit lines. And now, those, that credit has been ramped back up to all time highs. People have just because they don't have a choice. There are no more checks coming. And this brings up a couple of, of interesting points about the financial markets and something that we're working on a article for here in the next, few, uh, next week, I think. It's, it's coming out. But, you know, we've had these abnormal rates of returns in the markets over the course of the last, you know, really kind of 12 years. There is a correlation... And it should not not be surprising that there's a correlation between, you know, long-term, over the last 130 years, a correlation between asset price growth, earnings or sales, and economic growth. And the reason that there's a correlation between those is because, well, as we said earlier, where does Walmart get their earnings from and their revenues from? I just you know Walmart just reported revenues last night, concerns about inventory, concerns about shopping patterns slowing down. Well, if the consumer is slowing down, that's also where we measure economic activity and that's also is where the sales for revenue come from, uh, sales for Walmart comes from, which ultimately translates into their earnings. So if you're having an environment where the economy's doing well, then earnings do well, sales do well, asset prices should go up, right? Long-term, there's a high correlation. And, and the problem is that over the last 12 years, because of zero interest rates, because of the Fed you know, interventions into monetary policy, because of the government interventions into fiscal policy, because of all these things we've done since the financial crisis, we've detached asset price growth returns on the markets, have been multiples higher than what the growth of sales or growth of the economy is. In other words, there's a detachment of asset price from the underlying fundamentals of where asset prices come from, right, and are measured against in terms of valuations. Now, those are unsustainable long-term, and they're particularly become unsustainable when the Federal Reserve is extracting liquidity There is no liquidity coming from the government, right? So all those supports that were there over the course, and now you have inflation, right? So all those supports that were there previously are no longer there, which is going to make it much more challenging to justify asset price deviations at current levels. In other words, instead of having a 20% annualized return over the last five years or so, those forward returns are going to have to naturally be lower, Now, does that necessarily mean negative? Of course not, right? But up until 2000, and really up until the financial crisis of 2007, the average annualized rate of return on stocks was about 8%. Now, that makes complete sense, right? So long-term, going back to 1900, the economy's grown at about 6%. Earnings growth has been about 6% peak to peak, which is what you would expect. And asset prices have grown at about 6% peak to peak, plus dividends, which were 4%, so that's 10%, less inflation of a little over 2%, so that's how you get your 8% rate of return. That's what you should expect, right? That's theoretically, what you should expect long-term. The problem, though, now is because of the debt, forward economic growth rates, we're hoping to get two, right? The Federal Reserve is hoping to get 2% economic growth, which therefore means that forward returns based on 2% economic growth is going to be 2% plus dividend yields, which are currently 2%, less inflation, which is 2%, which means your forward asset price growth over the next 10 to 20 years is going to be somewhere around 2% to 3%. That's a far cry from the 12% average rate of return that we've seen since 2008, which was four full percentage points higher than the long-term historical trend and normalities because of all this intervention. So in order to maintain those higher growth rates and asset prices, the we're gonna have to have a return by the Federal Reserve back to quantitative easing, zero interest rates, those type of things. And this is going to and this is why going forward this is going to become a much more challenging environment, I suspect. Because right now the Fed can't revert back to that. Everybody's hoping for a pivot, right? Uh, you know, everybody's looking for the pivot. When is the Fed going to stop hiking rates? When's it, you know, when's the Fed going to get back, right? The problem is, is that the markets aren't crashing. Credit spreads on high yield bonds, et cetera. They're not blowing out. There's no financial stress in the markets right now. So there's no reason for the Fed to back off. Right now, they can focus on inflation. As long as their focus is on inflation and the markets are hanging in there and not doing anything wrong, there's no reason for the Fed to pivot. We'll see what they say tomorrow. Tomorrow's the big day, Right. FOMC meeting, 75 basis point hike. What do they say about the next meeting? Then you have GDP on Thursday. It's going to be a busy week. Lots of earnings today as well. All right. Be right back after the break.
2: Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: You're listening to... The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. Take the questions, comments, as always, at our website. Go by there and, of course, uh, right there at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. You can send us your questions, comments, whatever. Always happy to answer them for you. Do that every day. Um, so one thing here is that, you know, lots of talk about recession and whether or not we're going to have a recession. And, of course, the White House now trying to redefine what a recession is. And we're trying to see a, you know, a lot of the media trying to suggest that, well, maybe there will just be a mild recession. Right? I'm not sure there's a difference between a mild recession and a deep recession. When you lose your job, it's all pretty bad. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, of debate back and forth. And, and I thought it was interesting because over the weekend, Janet Yellen, and I've got some charts to share with you this morning. Janet Yellen makes a statement saying, and I'll just read it to you. This is her her exact statement. You don't see any of the signs. A recession is a broad-based contraction affecting many sectors of the economy. We just don't have that. We cut the deficit by a record $1.5 trillion this year. We've seen gas prices come down by about 50 cents in recent weeks. And there should be more in the pipeline. No pun intended. And hopefully... We will pass a bill that will lower prescription costs and maintain current levels of healthcare costs. Okay, so first of all, lots of fallacies in that entire statement. And this is why I said we'll kind of go through some of the data. Um, we run an economic composite indicator in, in our shop. And it comprises about 100 different data points from both the manufacturing and the service side of the, of, the, of the economy. It looks at leading indicators. It looks at lagging indicators. looks at manufacturing, regional Fed reports, um, you know, ISM reports, et cetera, so forth and so on. And it compiles all of this into a single indicator. And it has a very high correlation with you know, economic peaks and contractions and recessions and those type of things. And that economic indicator is dropping rapidly now. Having said that, it's not in recession territory just yet. It's got to get to 30. We're currently at 33. We had some more data out yesterday. The Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index, et cetera, coming in much weaker than expected. So that's going to weigh on this indicator some more. But that's dropping rapidly. And that, those, those kind of rapid drops um, and economic activity is certainly, you know, showing signs of a slowing economic environment. Yeah, not recessionary just yet, but you know, to say there's no signs of a recession, all you got to do is look at the data, and the data tells you that things aren't going in the right direction. So, you know, having looked at that, you know, and we come back and we talk about, you know, she's like, well, we cut the deficit by a record one and a half trillion dollars. And that's true, right? If you take a look at the federal deficit, we've had a very sharp contraction of that deficit, right? And it has reverted back to its long-term downtrend, right? Now, it doesn't mean you're spending less. You're still spending more than your previous predecessors. But the big surge in the deficit in 2020, 2021 was because of all that liquidity we dumped into the markets, right? All those checks to households, et cetera. And we ran about, you know, a seven, five, six, seven trillion dollar deficit at the time momentarily. But as soon as that money was spent and wasn't renewed, well, the spending then reverts back to its previous level. So you didn't cut the deficit. You didn't do anything. All you did was not renew this the excess spending that you were doing before. It's, it's you know, here's a simple way to think about it. Every week you spend $100, right, on food, gas, whatever you're doing for the week, right, running back and forth to work. You spend $100. This is pre-recession times, obviously. Um, so every week you spend 100 bucks, And then you kind of go out on a limb, you know, for you, you you go down to the gas station, you fill up with gas, you buy a lottery ticket, and you hit it, right? So you, you win $500 or you win $600, right? on your lottery ticket. Awesome. So for the next six weeks, you spend an extra $100 on top of the $100 you were spending. So now you're spending $200 a week. Awesome. And so now you've got this excess spending that's going on. But then after six weeks, you spent the $600 and you haven't hit another lottery ticket just yet. So what happens? Well, you drop back to your $100. Now, you didn't cut spending. All you did was just revert back to what you were spending before, and that's all that's happened with the deficit. Nobody in government said, hmm, we need to cut back on spending and be fiscally responsible. That never happened. We didn't even run a budget. But here's the important thing about this. That's recessionary. The cutting of the deficit is going to slow economic growth. And in fact, if you take a look at the deficit relative to economic growth, you'll see that when you have contractions in spending, you get weaker economic growth because of the fact that it's the government that's spending money that's helping support this surge in economic activity. So as you have this you know, this influx of, of liquidity in the market, it's not surprising that you're going to get economic activity. And now that money's gone – that's not contributing to economic growth. That's, re- that's taking away from economic activity because people don't have that money to spend anymore. So, this is, you know, so the problems when we start talking about inflation and, and, and she's talking about this idea of, of, you know, passing a bill, to lower health care costs, et cetera. We talked about this before, that doesn't help people. Because for most people, rent and health care, those are contractual obligations, right? You sign a rental agreement and you pay, you know, $2,500 a month for your rent, whatever it is, $2,000, $1,500, whatever. But you're going to pay that for a year or 18 months, whatever the length of that contract is. Now, at the end of that contract, they can certainly raise your, your rate or you can move. So rent is contractual. Your mortgage is contractual right your mortgage payment is $1500 a month whatever it is and that's what it is every month it doesn't go up and down with inflation but what and, and and same thing for healthcare healthcare is contractual you have your agreement for a year with your company and this is going to be how much we're taking out of your paycheck for healthcare cost and that's your money that's what and that's what you pay for healthcare so there's not a lot of variability and in inflation impacted on housing and healthcare costs and so passing a prescription drug you know, benefit, getting the government more involved in, in health care is actually going to wind up making everything more expensive because that's what happens when you in, involve government, a la the Affordable Care Act, which is no longer affordable or careful. Um, what we find is, is that inflation X ex- health care and X housing, which is fixed for most people, that rate of inflation is 11.3% currently. Because that's food, gas, transportation, apparel, those type of things, things that are going up in price, things that we do pay for every week, things that are an impact on consumption and spending. So the very thing of inflation itself, when it impacts and and takes away from the disposable personal incomes of families, what leads ultimately to uh, to recessions. And and so this is really what, you know, Janet Yellen misses and Right now, what we're seeing is that yield curves are dropping rapidly across the board, and this is because the Fed's hiking rates on the short end. So just a few, uh, couple of months ago, we had only the 10-year and the 2-year inversion that was out there. Now we have 50% of the 10 yield curves we tracked are now inverted. That is now at the level that has previously denoted economic recessions. Now, again, as I said before, and you can take a look at this is that the recession doesn't occur when you have the inversion it's when they uninvert and in fact if we go back historically and look at previous periods where we've had inversions like this what we find is is that in every period when you have these inversions they start to uninvert when you have the recession And it's that uninversion that tells you you have the economic problem going on. And and now what's happening is, is the short end is dropping because the Fed's cutting rates to zero. And money is shifting into bonds to get out of asset prices because asset prices are declining. And so at that point, you now have the long end of the curve. Yields are collapsing. Faster than the short end, and so now you start to get. I'm sorry, you have yields clappings on login end, which then begins to uninvert the yield curve as money moves out on that 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 ledger. And so again, you have this situation coming where, you know, the indicators are currently present that suggest that we have a potential for a recession. We're not there just yet, but the warning bells are going off, and for Janet Yellen to sit there and say. Well, there's no sign of recession. She's just not looking very hard or she's just flat out lying. One of the two. <laughs> I would never call Grandma Yellen a liar, but the economic data is pretty pretty clear as to what's happening within the economy. All right, quick break, come back, wrap up the show. Don't go away.
0: Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: Yeah, well-watching is all fun until a well jumps up and crashes on your boat. Did you see that <laughs> yes. on the news? Yes.
2: Explain that to your farmer's insurance know, right? agent. Yeah.
1: That'll, that'll be a new one up there. Yeah, so uh, just up on, uh, we have monitors in our studio to monitor what's going on in the news, and Fox News had a, uh, a clip from Massachusetts where there are a bunch of boats are out in the water, and a whale well, breaches right on top of this this boat i can just imagine the guy sitting in the boat going what the whale (laughs) so stuff that happens and it's amazing it's all caught on camera now right i know you know back in back in the day this would happen you just have to tell the story and everybody at the bar would just believe you it's like yeah sure mike (laughs) sure now it's all on video everything you do is on video somewhere so That's why you just don't do stuff anymore. You have to be more careful. Yeah, way, way more careful. Um, Okay, a couple things just to wrap up the show this morning. Um, As we're talking about, you know, Janet Yellen saying, hey, no recession. we got the White House coming out, you know, saying that a recession is going to be classified differently now because, well, we just don't want to have a recession. Um, And the reason is is that no president survives a recession. That's the bottom line. Um, If you – are in office, and the economy's in a recession, when it comes time to get elected, you get the blame for it. And, and whether or not you're to blame for it or not is irrelevant. It's just how it works. People blame the guy in charge, and they vote differently. And, and high gas prices, high inflation, that's not going to bode well for midterm elections. And, and so this is this is one of the big challenges. So you're going to see a lot of talk here over the course of the next you know couple of months, couple of quarters, about whether or not we're in a recession, how deep the recession is going to be or is or whatever else it is. And, and again, what's going to matter, and again, it doesn't matter whether you're in a recession or not. What's going to matter for the financial markets is really two things. One, do earnings continue to degradate as the economy slows? And B, when is the Fed going to pivot, Right because this is no longer a market about fundamentals and let me be clear about that right this whole this whole antiquated notion of valuations and things like that it sounds great in theory right i'm going to buy fundamentally cheap stocks and what you wind up buying a bunch of stocks that don't work right today it's all about the federal reserve and it is what it is there is no price discovery We've all been trained now for the past 12 years to rely on the Fed. Now, there's a big difference right now. And that difference is is that there doesn't seem to be an inclination by the Fed to immediately come bail out markets. They're focused on fighting inflation. This seems to be their, their primary focus right now, as it should be, right? But that's their focus. And so everybody's kind of sitting around hoping for the Fed to pivot. It's like, well, you know, I don't want to sell anything because the Fed might pivot and then stocks can go up and I'm going to miss out. But, you know, this is the challenge. And the Fed's efforts to try to quell inflation could very well be the catalyst that pushes the economy into a recession. Now, everybody's hoping that, well, the Fed will do this and we'll just have a mild recession. Right? I'm not sure what a mild recession is, but... We'll have a mild one, whatever it is. It'll be short and it'll be mild and it'll all be fine because why, right? The question, though, is going to be is when does the Fed start cutting rates again? And they can't start cutting rates until they get inflation back under control. And they can't start restart QE, right, without getting inflation under control. So there's a risk here, and this and this is the important part, and this is the challenge, right? Now, this is the hardest part about managing money at the moment, which is on one side, the markets are doing some, some bullish things, right? We've talked about, you know, they've been basing recently. They've turned up. We've got buy signals. We've got some things that are going on. They're bullish. Certainly, it looks like stock prices want to go higher. We have terrible earnings coming out, and, and futures are barely down this morning, Right? So there's this bid for stocks currently as investors are hoping that maybe the worst is behind us and things are going to start getting better from here. But on the other side of the coin, right, there doesn't seem to be really a catalyst for things to start getting a lot better because the Fed's continuing to hike rates, tighten monetary uh, policy. Extract liquidity from the market, so the very things that were supporting asset markets previously are gone and reversing, and yet we're all hoping that maybe the bottom's in and things will just get better now. So this is the challenge, right? I can, and it was interesting because this morning I was tweeting some stuff out uh, before the show, and a guy responded to me, and he's like, he says, you know, it's like Lance, you've been very bullish on your three minutes of markets and money, but it sounds like you really want to make a bearish call, and it's like, yeah, I can make a case in either direction. You know, it's it's easy to make bearish cases right now. I can make the case for why we're gonna have a deep recession and markets should go down another twenty or thirty percent. I can make that case. I can also make a case why that's not gonna be the case. So what do you do, right? This is this is the hard part, right? How how do you invest in that? And this is where really you just kind of kind of wait. And this is the hard part, but you kind of gotta wait. For the markets to tell you what it wants to do. And then once the market starts to tell you what it wants to do, then you can start to respond, and yes, you're gonna miss the bottom. That's the one thing nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to miss the bottom. We all wanna we all wanna nail the exact moment that the bottom was put into the markets. And that's just that's not realistic and it's not gonna happen. But these are the things that, you know, we fight with right now. These are the things that we have to continue to, you know, focus on and try to make the best decisions we can without taking on a lot of excess risk. Because, again, what the Fed is going to do and what they say they're going to do can be two very different things. You know, the Fed can come out tomorrow when, of course, we'll have the FOMC meeting tomorrow. They're going to come out. They'll hike rates, 75 basis points, and they're going to talk a tough game about inflation. And then the market's going to go, yeah, we don't believe you. <laughs> and we think you're going to start cutting rates sooner than later. This is going to be the the challenge that, that we've got to deal with. So, again, just, you know, move slowly, make small changes, and, you know, watch and let the market tell you what it wants to do right now the, the there's some bullish things that are going on with the markets again as I said or you know at the beginning of the show if the markets can hold the 50day moving average we've broken that previous level of resistance that's bullish if we can hold that resistance uh, and turn hold that 50day moving average and turn that previous resistance to support that's bullish if we can then turn back up and break out, uh, to a higher level than we were a couple of days ago. That's even more bullish. So there's some things that are going on. They're certainly bullish. They suggest that asset prices won't go higher. And again, we're getting some pretty negative reports on earnings and markets are holding in there. That's good news, too. That's bullish. And we talked about that. We said, look, if companies report bad earnings and the stock prices hold firm, that suggests that a lot of that bad news has been priced in. So over the next two weeks, this week and next week, that's we're having a big bulk of earnings. That Today, there's just a slew of earnings coming out today, tomorrow, all next week. Um, watch, you know, the markets are going to tell us how much of that bad news is priced in or not. And that's going to give us our first big clue really as to what happens kind of next as we go forward. So, all right. Um, and <clears throat> Just getting kind of ready to wrap up the show. A couple of other things. Like I said, we've got a lot of stocks coming out today. We've got Microsoft, Google, Coca-Cola, McDonald's. So They've already reported this morning. General Motors reported they missed estimates. Um, Mondelez International, they make Oreo cookies. So I don't know how bad their earnings can be because they're always sweet. Uh, UPS uh, missed this morning. Actually, they beat earnings and and, and revenues, but they said that quarter to, uh, the next quarter's volumes will be lower. <clears throat> 3M also reported better than expected results this morning. That stock will be trading up uh, pre-market. General Electric also had uh, pretty good earnings this morning. That stock is trading up pre-market as well. We'll see if those... And again, we're going to see if a lot of these things can kind of continue the rest of the day. But again, just a a slew of of companies coming out today. Tomorrow and and Friday is going to... And uh, Sorry, tomorrow and Thursday is going to continue to be very heavy. Next week will be heavy. We've got Apple coming up as well. So again... Um, Once we kind of get through those big major tech companies, Microsoft, Google, Apple, et cetera, that's going to really tell us a lot more about where the market is currently positioned and how much of the bad news is already priced into stocks. So, again, just kind of watching on that. Um, Lastly, just, uh, you know. kind of wrap things up get by the website uh the article um that we're talking about this morning about janet yellen's recession call with all the 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 attendant charts is on the website now at realinvestmentadvice.com so just click that link it was actually featured on Talk markets this morning as one of their top posts so telling you a lot about where the recession is so there you go it's on the so but it's on the website now realinvestmentadvice.com make sure you're also subscribed to our daily market commentary we put that out every morning. It's a very quick little two-minute read. tells you everything you kind of need to know about where the market's trading, what the outlook is for the day, um, other kind of interesting information and tidbits about markets, economy, bond markets, et cetera. We cover everything there. That's And that's emailed to you every morning. So just simply uh, go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the link for the daily market commentary right on the home page. You can sign up. Just put your email address in. We'll email it to you every morning, keep you updated on the markets. That comes to you at 7.30 sharp. So you'll get it an hour before the market opens so you can make trading adjustments as you need um, as well. So, And also check out simplevisor.com. That's our full digital research platform, simplevisor.com. We've got a whole lot of, a whole lot of things in the works for you as well. So it's all at realinvestmentadvice.com. All right, have a great day. We're going to be back tomorrow for the Wednesday edition, of course, with Danny Ratliff. We'll have three minutes of Markets and Money coming out here momentarily. So stick around. More coming up. Don't go away.
2: That's where